Well, good morning. I hope everybody has had a great week. How many had a great week? Going to have a better one this coming week. Amen. Man, I am stoked today. My buddy from the gym came. Everybody give it up for Ryan. And his mother-in-law, Mila, came today. Everybody give it up for Mila. And while they were doing that uh, announcement, he was like, he volunteered, he totally, he totally threw his mother-in-law under the bus. I mean, he like totally did it to her. He, he was like, hey, my mother-in-law's a professional seamstress. She'll build all those for you. So we got her name, we got her number, and everybody just thank her beforehand. Amen. <laughs> Somebody say, not fair. Is that how you treat your visitors around here? <laughs> Oh my gosh, God help us. If the sermon doesn't get any better than this, we're in trouble today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, we're going to keep going on our series closer. And um, after last week and this week, I've been thinking a lot. And, and I wanted to say that maybe we'll just start out by saying that we're drawing closer. How do we draw closer to God? Last week, today, and, to, and next week. How do we draw closer to God when we have setbacks? Anybody ever have a setback? Or seasons? Where we miss the mark, all right? I want to talk about that there's a healthy and a non-healthy way to go through setback and to go through tough seasons. To me, um, I wasn't completely happy with last week's sermon because to me, when I was done, um, it wasn't a healthy way that God speaks to me. When God's let, wanting me to see something or God's wanting me to change something in my, my, in my life, it's never just telling me what I'm not. And to be honest with you, last week when I got done, I was over there thinking, because the, the reality hit me on where we are as a nation. And the reality hit me on where, where, what's the church going to be in a few years? What's the church going to be in 10 years? And it was a sobering thought because I'm seeing things happen in the church. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if it's a good thing or not. And so last week, I kind of just told you all about what the good thing isn't, what the good thing isn't. What the good thing is it? And I'll tell you what, the way God deals with me, when I went over here and prayed, finally I got to a point, I said, hey, Carmen, can you come up and, and just do something here at the end? And one thing I like about last week is one thing you know about your pastor is we keep it real. We keep it real. But when I was kneeling over here, all I heard, all I, all I felt was being overwhelmed. Feeling like, what can I do? Feeling like exasperated, like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. If I knew how to do it, I'd already be doing it. And I, and I was taking that burden on myself to make that change. And I was owning it, and I was taking ownership that that was something that I had to do. And all that does is it puts weight and heaviness on you. And to me, last week, on deciding if it was a good sermon or a bad sermon, because here's the neat thing, because sometimes when it's a good sermon for somebody, it's a bad sermon for somebody else. And sometimes when it's a bad sermon for somebody, it's a good sermon for somebody else. To me, it's the individuality and how the Holy Spirit works with you. To some people, it was very positive. If it did this, if it, if it caused you to go, you know what, he's right. And something inside of you, thoughts started to come. Encouragement started to come. Ideas started to fill your mind. Um, energy to do your ideas started filling your mind. That's healthy. That's healthy. That's a healthy way that God speaks to you. But if it's like knocks the wind out of you, makes you feel like a piece of poop, makes you 
so where you can't even move because you and you think every move you're going to do is going to mess it up that is not healthy if you left last week hearing uh if you left last week um being a parent that maybe took your kids to soccer and and all this stuff and they never went to church and now your kids are grown and old and they have nothing to do with church if you left last week going like this man i screwed up as a parent man i'm terrible man what's wrong with me but baba where where your whole day was horrible and you just felt a heaviness and you had regret that's not god that's not God. And, and if I ever preach in a way to where that happens to you, I apologize for that. Because that's not how God deals with me. And so I don't want him to deal with you that way. But I also think it's individuals owning it in a way. Because last week was very positive. You know, one person called me and said, man, I loved it when you said, quit every week saying, I'm going to make up my mind. Are we going to church in the morning? Quit, quit making that decision every week. And this person said, we made up our mind. And, and so it was very positive. In fact, um, about 70% of people, I had more emails of uh, amazing emails. It was very positive. And, and, and here's what else, what else I want to say to you. Some of you that even thought it was positive, listen to me. It may not have been because some are so used and accustomed to change happening in their life by guilt and fear and pressure. And, and, and that's how you do it. And so when you enter a place where that happens, you kind of um, can move towards that and embrace that. But I'm even telling you, if that was you, and it, you say it works something positive, but that positive happened in that way, I, I think you need to relook that. Because there's a healthy way. Guys, there is a healthy way to deal with setbacks. There is a healthy way to deal with seasons that we miss the mark. And um, so anyway, I kind of want to start that way. If you have your Bibles, open up to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole thing. To be honest with you, i got a bunch of notes, and we'll just get as far as we decide to go today. And then we'll pick up next week. And we'll just, I just want the Lord to speak to us. Get to Nehemiah. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading now of NLT. Nehemiah chapter 1. It says, I want you to look this. In late autumn, note that. In late autumn, in the month of November, it's, it's Kesleve in the 20th year. In other words, say around November, December, around 446 B.C. King Xerxes, it was his reign. Nehemiah said, I was at the fortress of Susa in Hanai, one of my brothers, Hanai, one of his brothers. So think about this. He was hanging out. He was a cupbearer for the king in November, December, 446 B.C. And one of his brothers came to visit him. And there were some other guys with him. They came to Judah. Look at this. I asked them about the Jews. I want you to underline that in your mind or on your paper. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and I asked them how's things going for you I want you to think about I ask about the Jews and I ask hey how's things going for you they said to me look what they said there are not there the things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah they are in great trouble and disgraced 
The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and the gates of the city have been destroyed by fire. So when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, I wept for days I mourned. I couldn't even eat. I fasted. And I prayed to the God of heaven. Look at that. I prayed to the God of heaven. I want you to underline that in your mind. And then here's his prayer. Oh, Lord God of heaven. See, in your situation, when the walls are being burnt down, there's not a good report. Here's kind of a, fore, a foretaste or an example of how you can pray about your stuff. He said, oh, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love. With all those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying for the people of Israel. Look, God, I confess, we've sinned against you. We don't do it all right. Yes, even my own family, I have sinned. We've sinned tor- terribly by not obeying the commands and the decrees and the things that you've asked us. Please, now look at verse 8. Please remember what you told Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, this way told Moses, you're going to get scattered among the nations. But if you return to me and obey me and live by my words, then even though you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to a place that I have chosen because my name's going to be honored. Guys, that's powerful. The people you rescued by your great power and your strong hand, whose great power? Whose great power? God's and whose strong hand are your servants? Oh, oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to my prayers of those who delight. Anybody here delight in honoring God? If you do, clap your hands. Give it up. I delight in honoring God. Please grant me success today by making the king be favorably, favorably king be favorable to me put it in his heart to be kind those days in those days i was the king's cupbearer i think that's pretty an, a pretty amazing scripture and that's why i wanted to take time to read that truth be told if you want to write down on your insert truth be told you ever heard that truth be told hey facing the truth and people come up and say hey truth be told or hey facing the truth the truth is either brutal or it's free. If you got to cowboy up or come up to the table and face the truth and truth be told to us, how many say truth is either brutal or it's free? But God's ways wants it to be free. Look at verse 1. He said, I asked them about the Jews who had returned from the captivity. And I said, hey, how are things going with you? You know, let's put it in today's terms. It's, un, it's uncomfortable and usually unanswered when people ask me, Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Usually it's un, uncomfortable and usually it's unanswered. First, I size up the person to know if they really mean it and if they care. And if they don't, I'm not going to answer anyway. That's why most of us just say, good. I, sometimes I like to shock people. And, and hey, Brian, how are you doing? Oh, man, my wife just left me. We're bankrupt, and two of my kids died. Oh, I mean, it's like, oh, and then they, I mean, they're not even ready to help you. How you doing? How's things going for you? How are you, Brian? How is your marriage? Hey, how are your kids? How's Luke? How's Logan? How are your kids? Hey, how's job? How's your job? 
What's business like? A friend of mine said this week, he said, I wish my life were as fabulous as it looks on my Instagram. And I laughed because I knew that was true. Here's a statement you might want to write down. To me, it is breathtaking. The Holy Spirit put this in my heart. It's breathtaking how inauthentic the vast majority of people are on this planet. And I don't think it's because they want to be liars or they want to be withholders, but I think they're dreadfully afraid to be honest and to be real. And I think that's got to change. If you stop and think, I think you'll realize it too, and I think you'll agree with me that so very few people really tell raw, humbling truth about themselves, about their lives, and about the struggles they're going to. And I want to say as a church, and something we need to work on is, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? You know, from a personal perspective, why it is that way with me, why I can't be real with people and really be transparent, is I've had bad experiences sharing with people. Uh, when I share a realness or a challenge, uh, some, some way it comes back and bites me or, or, and I get ostracized and I feel judged. And then uh, it makes you not want to do it anymore. And you know, from a social perspective, um, it, it, it's not safe. Man, you see these stupid politicians and everybody. It, it isn't anymore about politics and what's good for this country. It's about how can we smudge everybody. How can we destroy life? I'll tell you what, general friends, life should not be destroyed. A general that's served and a general that's done great things. But Hey, whatever it takes to promote my agenda, I'm telling you, this world does not give the church a true identity of the way God has called us to be. God has called us to be intimate. God has called us to be trustworthy. God has called us to be people that we can reveal matters to each other and it is safe. It should be safe for you to come to church today. A lot of times you go to churches and churches aren't even safe. And you have to, I remember one time hanging out with some church people and, and, and to me uh, the battle axe, meaning a, a handle on a chain was flying and the spears were out. I finally stopped the conversation and said, hey, I thought I was hanging with friends. If you're going to pull the battle axes and spears out, let me put my armor on. Whatever happened about sitting around a campfire and talking Jesus? Whatever happened about Jesus sitting on a rock and opening up his hearts to his disciples and sharing with each other? Truth is, truth is, people are desperate for more realness and authenticity in themselves and from others. You know, I believe we rarely come face to face with true authenticity and real rawness and realness because when we do it's like kind of weird we don't we're like that's kind of weird because it doesn't happen and we don't know how to react or we don't know what to say or what to think we all say we want it but we're deathly afraid of it we run from being authentic and from being in a real presence or an atmosphere where you can be real and brave we run from real, brave, uncensored truth-telling. And worse, our judgments and fragileness, it scares our eagles, egos, and to me makes us feel like we're crazy. I believe this. 
I believe that so much of our fear of authenticity, the raw truth, it comes from the fact that we don't know how to be empathetic. We just don't have any idea how to step out of our shoes and get in somebody else's shoes. To try to feel what they feel and to sense what they sense and to be like them for just a moment. And so we think because we don't do it, we think there's no way that anybody else can do it for us. How many of you all think nobody can understand? How many of you parents have heard your kids say, you don't understand? How many of you business owners have talked or, or guys, we get in this little shell thinking it's that this corner's just mine. And there's no way possible that you can understand what I'm going through. And the reason is that you can't understand, you can't believe others can understand it. Here's the reason is because, ew, this is going to be a hard truth. It's because you have not yet taken your shoes off and tried to listen with ears and feel and be in a place where other people's at. The Bible says that we have a high priest that has been touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. When you study that out in the Greek, it literally means, it, when it says we have a high priest that has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, if you look up feelings of our infirmities in the Greek, it literally means in our skin. In our skin. In our skin. You know, I look at this Carmen's son sitting there, not to embarrass him or nothing, but anything in your life, or what's going on with you? Jesus has been in your skin. And people that say, uh, oh, he can't possibly understand a woman because he's a man. And he can't possibly understand my situation as a woman. Hey, he understands marriage. The church is called the bride of Christ. And the bride cheats on the husband all the time. J Jesus understands. He understands everything. I don't care if, if it's addiction. I don't care if it's sexual temptation. I don't care if it's, I don't care what it is. Do you know even things that's went through my mind at times? I'm like, where'd that come from? Anybody ever been like, where'd that come from? I'm not like that. I don't even think like that. That's just the enemy setting a temptation in your mind. But how many know you just blow that off? I mean, say I blow it off. Come on, blow it off. I blow it off. I blow it off. I don't own it. All right? Jesus blew off every temptation where we, some we didn't blow off and we failed. That's why Christ died on the cross. So when we failed, we live in him. Jesus blew all temptation off. But yet what I want you to know is he is an empathetic person. He's been in your skin. You know, if we could just sit... If we could just learn how to simply sit with the darkest and the most painful experiences of human beings and existence of human. And what I tried to do is I tried to write, write down the worst of the worst that I could think of. I did this on purpose. Rape, incest, pedophilia, drug addiction. And then I started getting into the depression, hatred. I mean, when we, if we could suicide, child abuse, I mean, name anything, guys. Stick yours in the blank, whatever yours is. I stuck mine in the blank. If we could ever just 
Get in the shoes of that person that's felt that. Instead of going, I like keeping it real. Instead of going, he, she's a bee. Figure out why she is. Get in her shoes. Man, they're angry all the time. Get in their shoes. God, they're hateful. Man, they rip me apart every time I'm around them. Get in their shoes. Get in people's shoes. And I think the reason we can't get real with people is because we have never, got, let, we have never taken on empathy for their pain to where we could find love, to where we could find understanding, to where we could spiritually connect with them. And I think when that happens is when we're going to start seeing some major transformation. Can somebody praise the Lord for that? I think when that happens is when we're going to start seeing some major. If you have someone, if you've already got that, if you have someone in your life that you can be real with, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. So that's the first point. Point number two. We're just going to hit two points today. Point number two. Um, I'm going to entitle that first point. Let's just call it, um, I ask about the juice. I ask about the juice. I ask them how they were doing. Okay. Let's call this next point state of the union. State of the union. And I think about when presidents get up and give the state of the union address. Okay. Here's the state of Israel in verse 3 things aren't going well man for those who return we thought returning it was going to be good I don't want to start adding like shift did let me do that again things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah they are in great trouble and disgrace the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down the gates have been destroyed by fire here's what I wrote on that if you notice, I'm reading from my notes a lot because there's hours of meditation and praying in the Spirit over this sermon. Hours. Sometimes it's hard to take a look at what things really are or how things really are. Write that down. Sometimes it's hard to take a look at how things are. Hey, business owners, how hard is it to really analyze and take a proper look at your business and ask the hard questions and to see why the lines might be going down <laughs> one reason that's hard because it, it makes you feel fragile like I don't know how to lead or I don't know what I'm doing it, it, it produces it it takes a secure person to be able to do that to take a strong state I want you to guys to help me with this I want you all to help me with this sometimes it's hard to take a look at reality why is it I wrote down sometimes we don't want to see I really don't want to face what I see some just can't see the truth some afraid they can't fix it these are just ones I wrote down sometimes we don't want to know the truth sometimes we think it'll just take care of itself and I just want to be I just don't want to be involved why get involved can you guys think of any Brian, can you think of any? Can anybody think of any that I might have missed? Be painful? Fear of conflict. Oh, fear of conflict. How many say fear of conflict would be one? Anybody else? Why are we afraid to look at the state? 
of our union or the state of our marriage or the state of our kids or the state of our household. <laughs> Who don't like to look at why we are in debt so deep? Because it means we're going to have to quit spending and not go out and, and eat all the time unless Starbucks. We don't want to hear that. Somebody have one over here. Ooh. Boy, that's, a, that's me. That's me right now. That's me right now. I've been do si doing with a stupid diet again. <laughs> I'm going through a time where I really need prayer. My wife's telling me she's, I'm unattractive to her and I'm fat and I need to lose weight. <laughs> uh, I'm getting, you're horrible. You're lying. <laughs> Guys, the truth is, I want to change. Last night, we're going home from the wedding, and I'm like, well, the night before on the wedding, the night before we went home from wedding rehearsal, and here is our conversation. Wow, they gave us 100 bucks at Oct something. Oct something, Octavia or, or Opta something in Sycamore. Some, some place, it's an Italian place. Hey, Italian, we are not supposed to eat right now. We are not to have Italian right now. But I was like, boy, we've worked hard. hundred bucks, baby. We can get the best food on the menu. You know what I'm talking about. And Carmen's holding up resistance. And she's fighting. But she gives in. She gives in at home. Dang, where's the Tums? <laughs> Next morning, I don't dare get on this scale. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm not ready yet. That's another question I had. When you're not ready, how do you get ready? <laughs> if you guys know, you can preach next week. Uh, if I'm not ready, how do I get ready? Um, Marco, you said I would like to change. Anybody else? <laughs> Afraid what people think? Ralph, did you have one? Oh, no. Jackie. Uh, feel like you might have to um, maybe break a relationship or, or, or like if you're hanging out with people that every time you get around them. You know, that happened to me when I got born again. My senior year, hold that thought, I like yours. That, my senior year in high school, I fiddle-faddled around with being a Christian. Um, I, got, I got real serious about being Christian like three times my senior year. And I'd do it for about two weeks. It got to where my buddies say, i give you two weeks and you'll be back at the party with us. And they were right. Um, always right on that. But, um, and then I'd go live for the Lord and have an encounter with the Lord and want to live for the Lord. And then my buddies would get the beer and the ladies and the parties and all. And I'd be like, boom, there I am again. But when I finally made up my mind for the Lord, guys, I had to cut off all my relationships they weren't good for me I mean they were getting into meth and starting to get into stuff and now when I look back they're all into that they're 50 year old men all into that some of them are working addicts and some of them are non-working addicts but that would have been me if I hadn't come to the Lord so yeah that's a big one whoever said that Linda what'd you say Feel like you lose, got to give up control. Anybody identify with that one? 
feel like I got to give up control. Hey, we got a counselor that's had 30 people, I think, working for him and had his own business. Counselor, can you think of one for me? Somebody's going to have to help me. Eric, I couldn't hear him. Somebody help me. What did he say? Go again. If I own the truth, it's no longer easy to live the lie in front of other people. Now, how many of you brilliant minds got that one? <laughs> I'm the type that, please email me and interpret what you just said. <laughs> but I know it's good. I'm the, man, last night I was trying to watch a TV show with my wife. She hates watching TV shows with me. I'm like, what'd they just say? What'd they mean? <laughs> it means you can't be fake anymore. Oh, interpretation. Okay. Hey, I want to end with this. Here's what I want you to do next week. Before I want you to do that. I left your papers blank because I really didn't know what God was going to do today completely. Um, I actually just got my notes done this morning. But um, um, here's what I want you to do next week. Write down the areas that you may not be, that may not be entirely where you want them to be. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's a relationship, whether it's something you're dealing with that you wished was different. Maybe a setback. Um, write, write it down. And then this week, I want you to start asking, well, first of all, don't condemn yourself over it. I'm telling you, do you all remember the first of this sermon? God doesn't start, you're a failure. Why didn't you do that, you stinking piece of junk? If you weren't a knothead and would have listened to me, it would have been different. That's what I did for over two hours last week. Don't do that. Because God doesn't do that. Just start honestly act, asking him. Be honest with what it is. And then I would ask you to take it a second step. Here's the steps. Write down the state. Write down the state of some situations. Second thing would be find a friend and be authentic with them. This week. Find someone. Find someone. And if you happen to be someone that someone found, please be two ears and one mouth. Just listen. And while they're talking, try to be sympathetic and, and have empathy. And then the third thing I want you to do is um, ask God about it. Ask God about it. And I want you to write this stuff down and bring it with you next week. How many will do that? How many will write this stuff down and bring that same insert back? Here's why. Because we're just going to keep building this thing. I, I, I know what we're doing next week. I want to end with this. I want to end with this. I want you to close your eyes and just listen to this. I want to end with this. It takes courage, my friend, to face the truth. It takes courage because the truth comes with all sorts of anxieties and Pulls up stuff that you might wanted to leave under. 
It can be disappointing. It can stir up regrets and responsibilities which we would like to rather avoid. It takes courage. It takes courage because truth can be painful. And it can be challenging. It takes courage because it means we must pull our heads out of the sand and do something to help ourselves. Wake up, get up, stand up, cowboy up, man up, grow up. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to grow into who you really already are. I want to say that again. That one hit me hard when the Holy Spirit gave this to me. It takes courage to grow into the person you already really are. Let us be courageous. Today, my friend, take courage. Be steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. God will be in your waiting. God will be in your quiet time. God will be in your prayers. Hold on to your hope, my friend, as your triumph unfolds. Because my God is never failing. He is never failing. I want you to stand up today, hold the hand, shake the hand, just turn to your person on your right and your left, tell each other to take courage. Take courage, take courage my friend. Courage is something you got to seize, you got to take it, grab it. Last night my wife said something profound, she, I said, honey, Honey, oh, I hate being transparent. The Lord's been telling me to be more transparent. I said, honey, when, she said to a point. <laughs> um, I said, honey, when can I not be afraid of preaching? When can I not, when can I just be bold all the time? And she said, you already are. You already are. Just do it. That, that changed something in me. Listen real close to me on this. That changed me. Every, look, try to look in my eyeballs on this if you can. That changed me. Why did that change you? Here's why. I'm a person that always says I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm accepted. I'm loved by God. I'm bold. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I'm, God loves the heck out of me. He loves me. Um, I'm, I'm beautiful. Um, I tell myself that. I, t I speak to myself like that. Uh, I, I say I'm an amazing speaker. Uh, I, I, I have revelation. I know truth. I proclaim those things. I say what God says I am. Anybody out there? I say what God says I am. All right? This changed on me. I used to just say I am righteous, and it just covered all of my thoughts where I'm unrighteous. Stay with me. It just covered all my thoughts while I'm unrighteous. But last night when Carmen said that, it became a two-edged sword. To where when I say I'm righteous, it's I'm righteous when I do make mistakes and God covers me. But yet I am also righteous. And I'm, I've got the power to walk righteous. Did you all get that? It's in me. 
It's already mine. It's already been bought, paid for, sealed, signed, and delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So begin to say who you are. I am righteous, but you know what? I'm walking righteous today. I am healed. I'm walking in my healing today. It's double-edged. Come on, give the Lord praise today. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ came he came to this earth. He lived in a human body. He understands everything about you. He knows everything about you. And he still chose you. And he still loves you. Becoming a Christian is saying, I want to love him back. And I want to accept his love. And I want to accept his forgiveness. And I want to give him my life. That's what being a Christian is. If you are not a Christian and you want to be a Christian today, nobody's looking around. Lift up your hand. I will not embarrass you, I promise. Lift up your hand. I'm looking to my left. I'm scanning. Lift up your hand. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand. I see your hand. I want to be a Christian today. Well, I see three hands up that I'm not really sure. I don't think I know them. So that's really cool. So here's what I want the whole church to do. So nobody knows who lifted their hands. I want everybody to pray this with me. Dear Lord, I come to you today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for understanding me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for believing in me. And Jesus... Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying for my sin and giving me your forgiveness. Thank you for taking my sin and giving me your righteousness. Today, I make a decision that you, Jesus, are my new Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Three people just gave their hearts to the Lord today. Three people. Yes! Yes! Those cheers are for you three. Man, you're part of this knucklehead family now. (laughs) Amen. You're always going to have somebody to live life with. Here's what we're going to do. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. We're going to have some prayer people. Go ahead and come up. We're going to have some prayer people come up. They've been waiting for you all week long because they want to pray for you. If there's anything, hey, maybe somebody wants to be authentic today and come tell one of these prayer people what you're going through. And, uh, hey, some of you that are my leaders, I feel like there may be a lot of people responding today. Some of my leaders feel free to help with prayer today. But uh, we've got these guys. We've got plenty of people to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to challenge you three that prayed that. I'm going to challenge you to do one of two things. One, come up and tell one of these guys. Actually, tell Pastor Justin. Pastor Justin jumps up and down. 
One, if you, one of you three, if you, if you have the courage to go and tell Pastor Justin, tell him, because he's got a gift for you. He's got a Bible and some stuff that will help you. If you're not really ready for that, just grab that card, write your name on it, say, I gave my heart to the Lord, put your phone number down, and I'll call you this week. Thank you, Lord. Hand me that microphone, please. Carmen, why don't you, Braden? I'm going to let Carmen close with prayer, and then you'll sing a song and dismiss.